Amen. It's good to be with you all. For those of you who may not know, my name is Chris Osterblatt. I'm one of the pastors here at Crossroads Community Church. And I consider, I consider it a privilege to serve here at Crossroads and always enjoy an opportunity to get to share with you. Um, as I was praying about what I wanted to, to speak about, um, just this one topic kept coming to mind, and I just couldn't get away from it. And it's, it's the idea of service. Because in a church, we know that there's always opportunities to serve. But you know what? There's opportunities to serve everywhere. Um, and I wanted to kind of look at that. What does the Bible say about serving? What's God's attitude about serving? And I wanted to maybe bring some biblical balance into how all that goes. Now, I grew up in a church, and um, my family was involved in the church, which meant at a young age, we were encouraged to serve and be a part of the church as well. And kind of, I learned that, that service was a part of life. I, I went to college, and I, I served in the church there at college. And um, you know, and then I came back from college and I and actually worked for the church and served in the church. And as I reflect back over my life and my times of serving, I realized that I can count four jobs that were offered to me because I was serving somewhere. Because someone saw me serve and they're like, hey, this person can do that. We're looking for somebody. We want the character of a servant. Um, so I saw where service could kind of benefit me that way. And then there came a time in my life where I'm no longer working at the church and I'm working a nine-to-five job in corporate America. And I'm like, oh, I can relax a little bit. I'm not at the job a month. And I find out there's opportunities for me to serve there. And they're hoping I'll say yes. And I realize it's no matter where you go in life, there will be places or people that want you to help and to serve. And I began to say, hey, God, why is this? And that's kind of what, what led to the message today. Uh, and we need, to, we need to understand, newsflash, there will never be a shortage of opportunities to serve. Okay, there will always be ways. Second newsflash, you can't fulfill all the needs. So you need to begin to say, God, where do you want me spending my energy? Where is my time to be used so that I'm best fulfilling the purposes and plans you have for my life? Because I'm going to tell you very clearly, serving is part of the plan and purpose God has for your life. But he hasn't called you to fix everyone's problems and to serve everyone's needs. But he has some areas. He has some people for you. We, we serve in our home. Hopefully we're serving in our home. We, we serve in our church if we're part of a church. We serve in our workplace. We serve in our community because that's actually part of God's plan for our life. Um, and what's so amazing about God is he never asks us to do anything that he hasn't already modeled for us. When Christ came to earth, he showed us what it meant to serve. And, and we can look in the book of Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Christ modeled what it meant to serve. Um, and he's just asking us to, so to speak, follow in his footsteps. Uh, this morning, I want us to explore three key areas 
of serving others in the same manner that Christ has already served us. We'll begin by identifying or recognizing why we serve and how, and how when we identify and serve for the appropriate reasons, we are more motivated to serve. Next, we'll look at what it means to release a culture of service or how we develop a balanced life when it comes to serving others and how that service actually helps us in fulfilling the call that God has on our life. And lastly, we'll take a few moments to review that, ser uh, that service aids us in fulfilling the call that God has for our life. Uh, I'm sorry. And lastly, we'll take a few moments to review the proven benefits and rewards of serving others. By the time we finish this morning, we will recognize that we will recognize why we serve, know how to release a culture of service, and understand the rewards of service that God has designed for those who live a life in service to others. Let's jump in by looking real quickly at the reasons we serve. Why do we serve? What, what are our motives behind serving? I talked about this a little bit in the newsletter this week. If you didn't read it, I encourage you to go back and read it because I, I don't want to go, go into all the details here. But every time we say yes and we do something, there's a motivation behind it. As Christians, we need to ask ourselves, what is my motivation to serve others? Um, and we'll begin to realize there are valid reasons to serve and there are invalid reasons to serve. And when we serve for the wrong reason, guess what? You get tired, you get weary, you get resentful, and you give up. But when you serve for the right reasons, you feel good. You feel empowered. You're walking in part of the plans and purposes that God has for our life. So it's important that we begin to identify, God, where have you called me to serve? And how can I serve you in a way that fulfills the plans and purposes I have for your life? God doesn't want us to serve because we need to be kept busy. Okay? God wants us to serve because it's part of his plan and his purpose for our life. So let's jump in this morning and we'll look at point number one, recognizing why we serve. We need to take time to identify and recognize the reasons that we serve. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 12, Paul has been ministering in the city of Corinth. All right, he's been, he's been serving them as a tent maker so that he, he did not cause them any expense to be there. He made tents and sold them to cover his needs. And then when he wasn't doing that, he was ministering outside of the synagogues. He was witnessing on the streets. He was meeting in people's home. He was evangelizing. He was discipling the church at Corinth. And he, he writes these words to him. Now, earlier, the church of Corinth had made a commitment to help the church at Jerusalem. And Paul was so excited about their commitment, he bragged about them to all the other churches he visited. Now he's on his way back, and it's time for them to make true on their promise. So he's reminding them of their need to make sure they, they fulfill their commitment. And these are the words he says to them in 2 Corinthians 9:12: For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. This verse right here embodies the essence of Christian service and demonstrates how service in the kingdom is meant to work. Okay, we need to link Paul's writings together. We just read in the book of Philippians 
Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Paul's motive to serve the church at Corinth was because Christ served him. So because Christ served him, he was there to serve the church in Corinth. And now we see the church in Corinth is serving the church in Jerusalem. Hence my title, Served, Serve, Serving, The Gift Goes On. Because when we serve other people, it encourages them to go on and to continue the serving spirit. Notice that it is God who gets the glory. This is why when we serve others with the proper motives, we are actually serving God. See, we need, to, we need to flip the switch in our mind thinking, I'm serving the church, I'm serving the children, I'm serving this group of people, I'm serving the needy, I'm serving the homeless. No, actually, when we serve from the heart and compassion of God, we are actually serving God. The individuals are just who God's using. See, so we don't serve man, we serve God. That helps keep a, that helps keep a fresh perspective. So um, one of the proper motivations for service is the fact that we serve to be like Jesus. He's our example. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom to many. His whole purpose in coming to earth was serve. Salvation was brought apart because he served. Face it, Christ is the ultimate example of serving others. He even went so far as to teach that true greatness is only achieved by serving others. He said you had to humble yourself and serve others. Every time you serve, you're putting the needs of somebody else above yourself. Think about Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, about to do the ultimate act of service. He's praying, and what does he pray? Not my will, but your will be done. See, he began, he understood the simple truth. Serving begins and ends with the fact that I'm setting my needs, I'm setting my wants, I'm setting my desires aside to elevate somebody else to a position higher than me and serve them. Matthew 23, 11 through 12, Christ said, The greatest among you shall be your servant. Exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. All right, so we serve to be like Jesus. He was our example. The other reason we serve is to make a difference. All right, I don't serve to keep myself busy. I purpose to serve to make a difference. And we make a difference when we choose to serve one another in love. And every time we serve somebody in love, we're demonstrating the love of God, not just to that person, but to all the other people around them. Because other people notice when you serve in love. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 tells us, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. 
Paul says, you need to enjoy all the freedom you have in Christ. You need to enjoy all of the, all the bounty that Christ has given you. But you don't, join, you don't enjoy it to build yourself up. You don't, you don't do it, to it for your own pleasures. You do it so you can serve other people. So we make a difference when we choose to serve others. We make a difference when we serve and help those that are weaker than us. Have you ever been in a place where you needed help? Have you ever been in a place where maybe it was financial, maybe it was emotional, maybe it was just encouragement, and somebody comes with the right words, with the right gift, that person made a difference in your life because they chose to put your situation above their own situation and serve you, and they may not have even realized it. See, we make a difference when we serve and help those that are weaker than us. Uh, Acts chapter 20 and verse 35 says, In all things I have shown you that by working, by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. We must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. We, we serve because it's never in vain. See, here's the truth. If I'm serving God and not man, everything I do makes a difference. And maybe this has never happened to you, but I know it's happened to me. You, you had one intention in mind. You, your, your heart, you were doing something, and your heart was doing it for this reason, but somebody misunderstood your motives. And, you know, your, your act of what you intended to do didn't come off the way you wanted it to come off. I mean, that happens once in a while. But the fact of the matter is, when I'm serving God, he knows my heart. He's not going to misunderstand my intention. And that should be an encouragement if we're serving out of love. He's not there saying, oh, no, no. He's like, yes, that's it. You got it. You understand. See, when we serve, we make a difference. Our service is never in vain. If, even if I don't see the difference, a difference is being made. Even when I don't recognize it, a difference is being made. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. A difference is being made. I remember... Um, if you know my wife, she, she, you're, you're not a stranger long, all right? When she shops, when she goes out, she'll talk to the cashier, she'll be friendly, and it's just who she is. It's not, it's not a chore for her. And she was leaving the store one time, and this lady says, hey, I want to share something with you. I was behind you in line one day, and I noticed the way you treated the cashier. And I began to think, what a difference that makes. And so I have been trying to make an effort to just be kind, to be considerate, to make a difference in somebody's life. See, and that's what I mean. The things we do, even the small things, they're never in vain. We make a difference when we help others. The next reason we serve, and this is really, this is the grandfather, this is the umbrella reason, this is why we do it all. We do it to bring glory to God. 
We serve to bring glory to God. God is glorified when we're faithful to serve who he's called us, when he's called us, and where he's called us to serve. Every time we serve others, it causes our light to shine and brings glory to God. Every time we serve others, it causes um, our light to shine and bring glory to God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine, do good works, and bring glory to God in heaven. God has equipped us to serve and minister to others so that we can bring him glory. We're going to talk more about this in a minute, but we were equipped by God not so that we looked good. We were equipped by God so we could serve others. 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says, As each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. The ultimate reason that we serve is that from the very beginning of time, God designed us to serve, and he designed us to bring glory to him. Uh, one of the last reasons we serve is because we were created to serve. I, we, we need to just understand this. When God created Adam, did he put him in a lazy boy recliner and say, sit back, relax, and chill, and the animals will come and serve you? Or did he give him a job? When, when God gave Adam Eve, it wasn't just so Eve could make Adam happy. That was a side effect. It was so she could help him serve so that she could be his helpmate. So man was created by God for a job. And Jesus demonstrated that job is serving others. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created us to do good works. Um, scientific research journalist and author Marta Zarska, she's a recognized science journalist and best-selling author. She has done extensive research um, about what makes us live longer. She wrote a book called Growing Young, How to Live to Be 100. And she shares her personal life story, how she grew up in a family that believed in diet, exercise, eating right, vitamins. She said, in our household, we had vegetables at minimum 10 times a day, broccoli two or three times that day, every day. And they believed that's what would contribute to living long and prospering. But as she began to do research, she realized science says, yes, that's good for you, but actually there are other things that help you live longer. And this is some of her findings. Her research has shown that our brains have a part called the amygdala, which is the flight, 
the fight or flight center of our brain. When we get stressed, when, when, when we feel confronted, we either want to fight it out or run away from it. But what she found is that when you serve others, when you help others, that fight or flight mechanism reduces. It's reduced. She actually concludes that serving actually calms the amygdala. Helping others calms us down. Uh, she talked about a study that they did about one high school in Canada where the high school students were divided into two groups. Group A was sent to serve an elementary school after school hours to help with playing games, homework, you know, different things. Group B, they were all waitlisted. Um, and they didn't know they were waitlisted for a purpose, but the purpose was they wanted to study levels in their life. And this is what they found from uh, those students. When blood samples from all the teens were compared, a clear image emerged. Those who volunteered had significantly less, low, they had lower levels of an inflammatory marker called interleukin-6. An increased level of interleukin-6 is, is, is what the doctors look like to say, you're more likely to die. And if it's high enough, they say within five years. They're not saying the kids were that high, but they had increased levels. The one commonality they saw is all the students who served were healthier than the ones who didn't. There's much more to the evidence of how helping others, how compassion, how kindness makes a difference in your health. In fact, after the first service, uh, a lady came up to me and said, I'm taking a class that the doctor wanted me to take because my cortisol levels and these different levels are high, and everything you said today is what they're teaching me in this class. Now, from my research of, of uh, the author, she's not a Christian, but she sure is drawing some biblical principles in her in her teaching. So um, those are the, the motives that when we serve from out of those, those motives, if that's the reason we serve, then we're going to serve and we're going to make a difference. Number two, it's not enough to serve. We need to make sure that our service is releasing a culture of service, that we make sure that we're doing our part, that we don't just serve, but serving occurs by other people. We don't meet everybody's needs. We need other people to be able to meet some needs as well. So number two is we need to release a culture of service, releasing a culture of service. John chapter 13, verses 12 through 17 reads, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. For if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You're not blessed for knowing you're blessed by doing them. And by doing them, he means serve. I mean, I can imagine the Lord's disciples gathered at the Last Supper. When they walked in, there was a bowl. There was everything necessary to wash feet. 
but there was no servant to wash the feet. And everyone sat and waited and waited and waited. Nobody moved. But then Jesus got up, probably saying, I figured this is what would happen. And he washed their feet as an example of serving one another. So how do we, how do we build a culture of service? And as I was really thinking about this, I began to think, we have it printed on our wall right outside here. It's printed in our bulletin. Believe big, belong strong, build a legacy. And I just had this instant download. When we believe big, when we belong strong, when we build a legacy is when we're serving each other. And, and I just want to look at each of these for a few moments, and I want to start with believing big. And when I, when I think about believing big, the, one of the first people that pop into my mind is Abraham. Abraham believed big. Imagine Abraham is comfortable, he's settled, he, he's living in Ur of the Chaldees, everything is kind of there, and then God comes to him and says, hey, Abraham, guess what? I want you to go. No, I'm not going to tell you where. I just, I just want you to go. And this is the, how the book of Hebrews remembers Abraham in Hebrews 11, 8 through 12. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of that same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man... And him, as good as dead, in other words, he wasn't able to reproduce, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. You see, Abraham understood what it meant to believe big. In the face of opposition, in the face of uncertainty, in the face of deceit and disappointment, in the face of delay, Abraham continued to serve where God had him. He served his family. He, he went to fight on behalf of his family. He served the messengers that came to, to give him the news of a child. He lived a life of service. When we follow the example of Abraham and serve others while believing big, we build a culture of service that reflects the love of God to those around us. If we don't believe big, we don't have time to serve. See, if, if I don't believe big, then I'm too busy to actually meet the needs of somebody else, to put somebody else's needs first, because, well, God needs me to do this. Oh, God needs me to do this. Oh, I need to go do that. But if I believe big, I'm able to serve because I know God's got it all worked out if this is what he wants me to do. Belong strong. When I think about belonging strong, the first person in the Bible that comes to mind for me is Joseph. Joseph exemplifies what it means to belong strong. Uh, we're familiar with the story of Joseph. He's the golden child. He's his father's favorite. 
he has been gifted by God. There's no question. He has a gift of administration. He can, he can dream dreams. And Joseph lacked some humility. And he, he, he was ready to tell his brothers what God was going to do for him and how God had these plans and these purposes for his life. His brothers weren't as excited as he was. All right? So his brothers sell him as a slave. He's carried off from Israel, the land that God promised to Abraham, and he's taken to Egypt as a slave. As a slave, he continued to serve faithfully in the house of Potiphar. He could have been resentful. He could have done, I'm going to do the minimum. You're not going to get any extra out of me. But instead, he served, and, and Potiphar's house was blessed. And then, while serving faithfully, Potiphar's wife makes a false accusation against him. And he goes from slave to prisoner. Even fewer rights and privileges. And what's he do while he's in prison? He serves. He uses the gifts that God gave him. He's forgotten. He's left there until one day Pharaoh has a dream and he's suddenly remembered. And he's brought from his jail cell. He uses the gift that God gave him. He interprets the dream and he goes to bed that night as one of the most powerful men in all of Egypt. And he enacted God's plan to provide for the descendants of Abraham in their time of need. Why? Because he belonged strong. When things got difficult, he didn't go home and, and whine and complain. He continued to serve. When things didn't go his way, he made a decision, I'm going to serve where God has planted me. That's belonging strong. All right. We jump into Genesis chapter 45. Joseph has successfully been a leader in Egypt for nine years now. They've had seven of the best years any country could ever have. It was a land flowing with plenty. Everybody had more than enough. But within two years, that's not the case. And it's dried up. And Joseph is the one that's hoping to meet the needs because of the gift God gave him. There was plenty. And Joseph's brother has come. This isn't their first time coming, but now Joseph has decided, I can't hide from them anymore who I am. And this is the first dialogue that Joseph has with his brothers where he tells them who he is. Genesis 45, beginning with verse 8, it says, So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into slavery. Imagine all color being washed away from his brother's faces. He had just told them, come a little closer, please. I want to tell you something. And the first words out of his mouth after he reveals that is, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves. Do not be distressed or angry with yourself. His first real words to his brother is after he revealed who he was were words of healing were words of release. He was even serving them right there by what he said. Um, you sold me here, but God sent me before you to preserve life. 
For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. And we know that when they come out of the Exodus, they're numbering in the millions. That's many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. That's belonging strong. That's committed 120%. God, I'm going to serve you no matter where you have me. God, I'm going to serve you no matter who has forgotten me. God, I'm going to, ser I'm going to serve you no matter who has lied and cheated and, and caused deceit to fall in my name. I'm going to serve you, God, wherever you put me. Joseph recognized that if he was going to fulfill the dreams that God had given him, it was his responsibility to serve wherever God placed him. This meant he was to serve in his home as a son. It meant he was to serve as a slave to Potiphar. It meant he was to serve as a prisoner. And that he would serve as ruler, second in command of all of Egypt. He would serve as a savior to all the nations and people around Egypt because he was where God called him to be. And he was faithful to serve where God called him to be. It's interesting to note that all of Joseph's dreams were fulfilled in a foreign land. Not in the land promised to Abraham. It was in a foreign land. No matter where God placed him, he was faithful to use the gifts and abilities God had given him to serve. Not man, but God. Now that's a great example of someone who belongs strong. What about us? Are we being faithful to serve where God has placed us? <laughs> building a legacy. Okay, when it comes to building a legacy... There's one person that did it right. I'm not going to try to find somebody better. Jesus. All right. His legacy continues strong today. And there's no question, there's no doubting that his legacy was built on service. He came to serve us. We build a legacy when we follow the example and teachings of Jesus, which are exemplified by his life of service. Um, and every time we serve... We're serving God, not just man. We, we need to keep that in mind. Jesus taught this in Matthew chapter 25, uh, starting with verse 35. says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When were you thirsty and we gave you a drink? I'm sure I would have remembered you, Lord. When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you in? When were you naked and when did we clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king answered them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. When we serve, we're not serving man, we're serving God. Jesus built a legacy that was based on service. Some of the everyday ways that he served on earth was by healing the sick, by giving hope to the helpless, 
by feeding the poor. Some of the extraordinary ways that he saved was by forgiving our sins, by dying on the cross. His life was marked by service. Jesus came to earth to serve, and he concluded his ministry on earth with the ultimate act of service, his death on the cross. A culture of service is released when we are faithful to believe big in the face of disappointment, when we belong strong wherever God has us, and when we are committed to building a legacy of service to others. It's interesting to note that for all three of these men, it required them to leave their comfortable surroundings and go to a new place. Abraham had to leave Ur and go to a land he didn't even know where. He had to live in tents. He had to be a sojourner. But by doing so, he was able to serve God and fulfill his purpose. Joseph had to leave the comfort of being the favorite son at home. Mom's cooking and dad's provision. And work hard every day. But he continued to serve in the land of Egypt. God had to leave the beauty of heaven and come here and live with us. But they did it, and they served. So I'm not saying that in order to serve, you got to go to another country or you have to go to another place. But what I'm saying, sometimes in order to serve, you have to be willing to step outside of your comfort zone and do something you wouldn't normally do. Sometimes you have to stretch yourself a little bit, and that's why we need to ask God, God, where do you want me to serve? Because if God wants you to serve somewhere, he's already provided you with everything you need to serve you just have to tap into his grace to do so. As we prepare to serve outside, are we prepared to serve outside of our comfort zone? To go wherever or to whomever God is calling us and to serve them wholeheartedly, allowing the love of God to compel, direct, and guide us along the way. Releasing a culture of service takes place when we believe big, belong strong, and build a legacy. Number three, the rewards of serving. The rewards of serving. Now, I, just, I have to say, we don't serve for what we get. We serve to bring glory to God. But the way God designed us, the way that God made us, when we obey him, blessings follow. Okay? It's just like, I don't put money in the offering plate. I don't tithe, I don't help the poor in expectation of getting something in return. But when I do that, God meets all my needs. Way more than financial needs. And I appreciate the other ways he meets my needs more than just the financial. Because money can't buy those things. Money can't buy health. Money can't buy protection. Money can't buy satisfaction and fulfillment. You can try. So there are rewards of serving, and we want to look at some of those. And continuing from um, Marta, Marta's book, Growing Young, um, she has replaced the conventional thinking of diet and exercise as a way to keep in healthier. And she provides ample evidence that social engagement, kindness, and or serving do more for longevity in life than eating right and exercise. So you put them both together, there you go. Um, and that's opposite of what most of us were taught. It's opposite of what most of us believe. Uh, Marta actually concludes that instead of buying broccoli for her family and goji berries for her family and making sure her family exercised every day, 
that she needed to concentrate on social involvement, kindness, and compassion to help increase their life. She actually, her conclusion was, I should look for a purpose in life, not the best fitness tracker. We want to live a good life? It starts with living a life of service. And that's not the Bible saying it, that's what scientists are saying. They're agreeing with God and they don't even know it. All right, what's the first reward of, of serving? It's happiness. It's happiness. How many times have you gone and helped somebody, maybe just a little bit, oh, I'm doing this out of obligation, but while you're helping them, you just get this overwhelming feeling of joy and gladness and happiness, especially when it's a group of people. When there's a group of people helping somebody, you can't help but be lifted up. It's a byproduct because God made us that way. All right, uh, Marta, in, in her studies, she, she, she decided that she was going to conduct her own unscientific experiment for seven days. One day, she would do something, she would make a point to do acts of kindness, and the next day would just be her normal life. So she went, she went through this. Uh, for example, on one of her kindness days, she left a smiley face sticky note on a neighbor's card. It's not hard, pretty simple. Uh, she bought and delivered chocolates for a lady at the library. In the evening, she left five-star ratings for her favorite restaurants. Here's was her results. I don't know whether my, my, my telomeres got longer and whether my cortisol response was more healthy, but I certainly felt better. And let me tell you this, she said, broccoli never makes me feel that way. She included in her experiment the measurement of certain markers indicating stress levels. What she found was on her days of kindness to others, her body had lower levels of stress. The testing even showed that her stress levels came down as she engaged in purposeful acts of helping others. Serving not only calms us from stress and enhances our mood, but it also demonstrates God's love to those around us. And I'd submit that's even a better reason to serve. But we're happier. Number two, we're healthier. We're healthier. It's a fact. You may want to write some of these statistics down because I found it interesting. Serving reduces the mortali your mortality rate by 22 to 44%. People who volunteer have 29% lower risk of high blood pressure. 17% lower risk of inflammation levels, and spend 38% fewer nights in the hospital. How many times have you heard stress is bad for you? But how do we reduce stress? By serving others, by being kind to others, by demonstrating God's love to those around us. Serving helps us be healthier and live longer, but it also helps people see the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to see the God that sent his son to earth to save us from our sins. And that can do more for somebody than any act of kindness or any act of service ever could. The next reward is purpose and potential. Purpose and potential. We recognize our purpose and potential through serving others. Serving others helps you discover your spiritual gifts and function within the church, which in turn helps you fulfill your purpose and experience true and lasting fulfillment. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 6 says, For as in one body we have many members, 
and the members do not all have the same function. So though many are one body in Christ, and, in, and individually members one of, another, one of another, having gifts that differ according to your grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to your faith. When we serve, you are using your spiritual gifts and talents for the edification of the kingdom of God. The final reward for serving is growth and maturity. We grow in our relationship with Jesus. We grow in our relationships with others. We become more mature people through service. Colossians 1.10 says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Bearing fruit in every good work. In our acts of service, we bear fruit and we increase in the knowledge of God. As we've looked at serving others today, I trust you have a fresh outlook as to the reasons you serve, that you realize the power that comes through releasing a culture of service, and you recognize that God not only created us to serve, but when we follow his plan, we can live healthier, longer, and healthier, happier lives. I would like to request that you process each of the, these areas, then ask yourself these questions. Where do I serve? Right now, where am I serving? It can be in your home. It can be in your church. It can be in your community. It can be in your workplace. But we need to be purposeful to serve somewhere. Then ask yourself, am I serving where God wants me to serve? Am, is my energy, is my direction going into fulfilling the plans and purposes that God has for my life? Am I, or am I serving to just keep busy? Even more importantly, you need to ask yourself, why do I serve? What are my motives for serving? Am I serving out of selfish motivation to feel good about myself, to be noticed, to seek advancement or approval? Maybe you've been serving out of a sense of duty, obligation, or even guilt. If one of these is your motivation or one of these is the why, then even while meaning well, you're serving by your own strength. And when you serve by your own strength, you grow weary in well-doing. And you're in danger of becoming offended and bitter. When we serve out of an overflow of God's love and compassion, we are serving based on his strength and his provision. And he accepts the responsibility to provide us with everything we need to bring glory to him through our acts of service to others. Ask yourself, how am I currently releasing a culture of service? Am I believing big like Abraham by serving others right now, even though I may be in a period of transition? Even though I may be experiencing the delay to a promise? Am I being faithful to serve God where he has me now? Am I belonging strong like Joseph by serving in a place that God has put me even though it may be outside of my comfort zone, or am I sticking close to home and staying where I'm comfortable and I know everybody? Am I actively building a legacy of service by serving others? Am I allowing the compassion of God to flow through me to those that are lost or in need? Am I currently experiencing the rewards of service? 
Have I discovered my purpose and potential through Christ? And you know, someone says, well, I don't know exactly what God wants me to do. I'll always say, well, where are you serving in the church? Where are you serving in your home? Where are you serving? Start serving in places and see what brings you life. Experiment a little bit by serving others. You may be surprised what you discover. Am I continuing to grow and mature my relationship with Christ and others around me? Am I experiencing happiness and health in my service to others? Let's all stand. When I take the time to answer these questions, it helps me to focus my service in the areas that God wants me to serve and enable me to live a life that brings glory to God. And that's why we're here. Now, you know, I've mentioned there's many areas and and different parts that we can serve. It's not just about serving in the church. But if you're looking for a place to serve in the church, okay, just, just if, I just happen to have Pastor Billy put together a list of opportunities to serve, and they're on the table out there. And, and if, you know, in your heart, you're kind of like, you know, maybe I need to examine why I'm serving or where I'm serving, I'd encourage you to pick one up. Don't check a box. Seriously, take it home and pray over each one. Okay? Because God might want you in a place that you want to check. Because, see, our comfort zone is going to lead us where? Oh, I want to hold the babies. Can I hold the babies? You know, and God says, no, I want you to take care of the homeless. Or I want, you know, I'm not saying. But, so there's just a list with a short description. Pray about it. And if you feel God's speaking to you about one of these areas, you can talk to any of the pastors. Uh, You can shoot us an email. You can come into the office. We'd love to talk to you about that and help you get plugged in. But it's not about serving at crossroads because we're serving God. So the encouragement is, God, am I serving where you want me to serve? And if you are, that's awesome. But maybe you served out of guilt or obligation. It's easy to happen. You hear them say, oh, we need this, oh, we need that. And you're like, well, I can do that. See, you're responding out of obligation, and that's not where God called you. Then you need to say, God, where do you want me to serve? Because there's no greater joy than serving where God has intended you to serve. Right? There's a peace. There's a joy. There's a happiness. There's growth and maturity that occurs when we serve where God has called us to serve. But, but I will tell you this. You won't grow if you don't serve somewhere. So my challenge to you is, God, where do you want me to serve? Guide me, direct me. Father, we, we thank you for the example of your son, Jesus, who, who he left heaven to come to earth to serve, not to be served, Father God. Help us have that heart. Fill us with that compassion for the lost and the needy, Lord. Give us the, the desire to meet needs of others, but then give us the wisdom to serve where you have called us to serve. If, if we're struggling in areas of service, Lord, I just pray for Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct, Father God. I pray for, for times of prayer so that we can, we can really just pray about it. Lord, where do you want me to serve so that we're serving in places that fulfill the purpose and calling that you have for our life? I thank you, Lord.